um, yeah, um, so today we're starting a new series uh, going over the, the solas. Um, and this will last four weeks, and there's five solas. There's fi- uh, sola scriptura, uh, sola, um, or let me just say them actually in English. because ble- Sola is just kind of a Latin word that means, you know, alone. And so there's, there's scripture alone, grace alone, faith alone, Jesus alone, and glory alone. And so we're going to go over these. Um, and these are five things that, that came out of a movement called the Reformation. That was back in the 1500s. And what happened is, is, is there were just some things going on uh, in the church at the time, and different people uh, that were reading the scriptures were, just kind of saw this and were like, hey, the things that, that is kind of going on in the church out there, not, not all of them really line up with scripture. And, and, and we've, we've kind of have left the, the gospel message in many ways. And so this was, was kind of a, a, a call back to, to the scriptures, a call back to the gospel message. And, um, and so we're going over these, not just because there's something that was taught 500 years ago, but because we see these in God's word. And this is going to help inform us of, of who God is and how do we respond to God in faith. Uh, and so today... We're going to be covering sola scriptura or scripture alone. So how many of you in this past month have relied maybe on something like Yelp or an online review to see if you should maybe go to a restaurant, right, sometime? Or how many of you, you know, Christmas, we just celebrated Christmas. How many of you are like, man, I wonder which which brand is better? And so I'm going to look at some sort of, you know, Amazon review or Google review to see which one is best, Right or or you're hey how am I going to get to the place where I need to go I'm going to look at my maps app or Google Maps I'm going to type it in and then that's going to tell me what to do and how to get to the place where I'm going right I mean pretty much all of us have used these things um, and and think about it you are trusting people that you've never met right I mean you're trusting man th- this guy I don't know who he is. You know, Ray here, Ray, Ray in South Lincoln says that this place is a great place to eat. I trust Ray. Um, man, th- this thing that I'm thinking about buying off of Amazon, this guy in Seattle, he knew, man, he thought it was really good. But, but man, this other person, they in Chicago, they thought, man, this was kind of hard to put together. I don't know. You know what? And so we're trusting people that we've never met. We, have, we really know nothing about them. But we're trusting someone else's truth to inform us how to think, what decisions we make, we, and we act and, and on those, those truths. And so what truths are shaping you? Right? What, what truths are shaping who you are? And we're trusting someone else's truth to inform us, the decisions we make to, to, to basically inform our future. When we think somebody else has some sort of authority, some sort of information, some sort of perspective that is really worthwhile. Even Google, hey, you, you know it. You know it, Maps app. Tell me where to go. And we're trusting those things. And so no questions asked, we trust it. And so is there an even greater truth, an even more reliable source of truth that we should be looking to to determine what we think, what we believe, and ultimately the decisions that we make. So with that, I will invite you to open your Bibles to 2 Timothy. It's pretty far to the right. 2 Timothy, <clears throat> right after 1 Timothy. 
just like you guessed it. <clears throat> We're just going to read that. Chapter 3, verse 14. And then this is Paul, and he's talking to Timothy. This is his letter to Timothy, who's, who's a pastor in Ephesus. And he says, But it is for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so the first, first point, the first observation is God is trustworthy so his word is trustworthy. God is trustworthy, and so his word is trustworthy. So look at verse 16. All scripture is breathed out by God. All scripture is inspired by God. I mean, th th this book, we kind of make a really big deal about this. I mean, if you think about this, all across the world, people practically in every nation are going to be reading this book. I mean, it's like always on the bestseller list and all of those things. I mean, whether you believe this or not, you have to kind of admit like, hey, this book has been around a long time and a lot of people really look to it. I mean, what is really the big deal? And it says every scripture, everything in this Old Testament, New Testament, Genesis to Revelation, this is inspired, this is breathed out by God. These, these aren't just stories that we read of like, oh yeah, that took a long, you know, happened a long time ago. Right? This, is, this has meaning for us of who God is, who we are. And this isn't just something that God has spoken or somebody wrote down a long time ago. God is still speaking this to us. And we see this, that, that God is trustworthy. And when we say, you know, God is trustworthy, we know that something is only good as the one who makes it. So if I asked any of you, hey, if I'm going to go in Lincoln and I want to get a great burger, I mean a really great burger, where should I go? Now some of you might be like, oh man, Five Guys. I know that's what Ben would say. Let's go to Five Guys. Some of you would be like, Five Guys stinks. Honest Abe's baby. Woo! All right, but none of you are going to be like McDonald's. <laughs> right? And if you're like, whoa, that popped in my mind. You need to just repent. You know, we're all, we're all, you know, we all need Jesus. But, but for none, none of you, are, again, McDonald's isn't popping in your mind of where to go to get a great burger. And why is that? Because it's McDonald's, right? It, it, you're like, I don't know. It's, it's just not really that good. Well, why not? Well, because it's, it's McDonald's. And so you know that the burger, the product is only as good as the source. And if that's true of burgers, how much more true is that of, of the word of God? It is, God is the source of it. He, it is from him. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-good. He's holy, which means he's set apart. He's completely different than anything out there. He's perfect. He's pure. There in him, there is no fault. There is no outside standard of perfection that God has to meet. He is the standard of perfection. So if God is the source of it, and that's who God is, then we can rely on his word. In Titus 1-2, it says this, that God cannot lie. Why? Because that's who he is. 
He's the source. He's perfect. He's totally pure. In Hebrews 6.18, it says that God's character is unchangeable and that it is impossible for God to lie. He's holy. He's set apart. He isn't just, you know, kind of a source of truth. He is the truth. He's holy, and he cannot lie. And in, and in verse um, 15, it says that Timothy, you know, Paul's talking to Timothy, and he says, you've been acquainted, for, you know, from childhood, you've been acquainted with the sacred writings or the holy writings. Why are they holy? Because God is holy. Because these writings, this scripture that we have, is from God. And so it's, it's trustworthy, it's pure, it's, it's perfect because it's from God and we can rely on God's character. So think of everyone you know, including yourself. Have you, or any of them, have they ever lied? Right? You're like, oh yeah, yeah, right? I, I, and of course we have, we, we all do, I've lied, I, and, and it, wait, I've lied at no, in the middle of the night when my, about being asleep, when my kids come to me, and they're like, Daddy, and I'm like, don't, you know, just don't say anything. <laughs> Mommy. <laughs> it worked. I mean, and, and, and I totally lied about it. No, Christy would be like, were you awake? What, what do you mean? When? When was I awake? Um, she's done it too. Um, and so, so why, ha- I mean, that's a flaw in my character, right? I am, I'm lying, I'm deceiving <laughs> at, at the time. You know, I, I need to repent of that like you McDonald's people. So that's a flaw in my character. Beca- and why do I do that? Because I'm not perfect. I'm selfish. I don't want to mess with you. Just please leave me alone. I'm tired. I don't, I just want to sleep. And so we all have the, these flaws in our character. We're all not perfect. And so we know that we're going to do it. We're eventually going to lie. Maybe it's just selfishness. Maybe it's greed. Maybe, maybe it's just you, we, we lie or somebody you know that, that lies just does it just because. But with God, there is no flaw in his character. Right? He's totally perfect. It's not like he acts out of greed or selfishness. He can't do it because that's who he is. That, that's, he, he can't change his character, which is perfect and holy. And, he, and so we know that he's trustworthy because of his character, but we also know he's trustworthy because of his power. Now, if I told you, hey, today, later today, if you just stick around after the service, I'm going to give you a million dollars. Or if I said, hey, you know what, later around, just stick around, we could walk outside, and I'm just going to fly around. You guys would be like, I don't believe that. And because you'd be like, this guy doesn't have the resources to give me a million dollars. And he does not have the power to fly around, right? I mean, I know that that just seems crazy, but you just know it, right? You can't deliver on what you said because you don't have the resources, you don't have the power. But with God, his resources are unlimited. His power is unlimited. So he, he, he always has the resources. He always has the power to do everything that he's promised and said that he would do. You know you can trust him because, because that's who he is. And so if we could trust him, we can trust his word. And in Proverbs 30, verse 5, it says, Every word of God 
proves true. Jesus says, your word, you know, he's praying to God. He says, your word, sanctify them by the truth, for your word is truth. Jesus, the guy who said that he would raise from the dead and then did raise from the dead, that's what he thinks of the Bible. That's what he thinks of God's word, that it is truth. And if I don't think that I can trust God's word, then I really don't think that I can trust God. Because that is, the word is from God. I mean, think of the first temptation. That there's Adam and Eve, you know, they're in the garden. God said, don't eat from the fruit. And then the serpent, Satan, he asked them this question. Did God really say that? He's questioning it. Questioning what God says, and then he, he uses that as a way to question God himself, God's character. He's just holding out on you. He doesn't have your best interests in mind. Did God really say that? I don't think that's what he means. But we trust the word of God because it is the word of God. It is from God. And I know that I can trust it because God said it. He inspired it. It's breathed out by him. And so we can read the Bible with confidence. Not because of what somebody said on the History Channel, the Discovery Channel, or somebody, you know, one of my professors, any of that. Because ultimately you still know that they're an imperfect human. But we have a perfect God, and so we can trust it. We can believe it. It's trustworthy because God is trustworthy. And so that also just leads me to the second observation. The second point is this, is God is our authority, so his word is our authority. Look at verse 16. All Scripture is breathed out by God. All Scripture is breathed out by God. Again, the source of Scripture is God. And God is our authority. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's the creator of everything. He does whatever he pleases. No one can stand against him. He's, he's all-present, self-existent, and he's totally in control. He's in charge of everything in the ultimate authority. I mean, think of this. God says, let there be light, and then there was light. He was obeyed fully, and then there was light. That is like the highest level of authority there is. I mean, we're not talking like, go fetch me some coffee level, right? There is no light. God speaks. His word is obeyed, and then light comes into existence. I do not have that kind of authority, right? I can't even get my kids to clean their room level of authority, but God has that authority. There is nothing higher than his authority. And so when scripture speaks, God speaks. To disobey God's word is to disobey God. To not believe God's word is to not believe God. To ignore God's word is to ignore God. And, and, and you know, this notion of, of sola scriptura, scripture alone... And the authority of God, I mean, this was kind of a deal in the Reformation. So the church, they were saying, hey, our authority is just the same as God's. And so you've got to do whatever we say. And then they were, they were teaching things that weren't in line with the word of God. And these reformers were like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. I don't, I don't think that's right. You're, you're, not, you're not God. You're not God's word. 
And so you're abusing your authority, and your authority is not equal with God. And so now anything, any church, any denomination, any pastor, anything that, uh, uh, when it comes to church tradition, anything that is taught, anything that is practiced, it is not equal to God's authority. Now that tradition might be good. That teaching might be good. But again, it's not equal. I mean, even Jesus, he rebukes a lot of the religious leaders in, at his time for their traditions. Why? Because he's like, that, that's, not what, that's not what's in the word of God. You, you're, you're just adding to what God's word says. That's not what it says. And so he corrects them from that. And again, they can be good, but, but any tradition or any teaching, whether it's myself, whether it's Mo, whether it's Austin, or anyone else that gets up here, our authority is not equal to God's, right? There are authorities. I mean, I mean, in some ways we have authority, but it's, again, it's not the ultimate authority. We're not infallible. We're not perfect. We mess up, but God doesn't. And, and, and because of that, that's why we strive here to teach the word of God. Because we know that <clears throat> the power isn't in us, the power comes from God. The authority isn't us. The authority is from God. And so that's why we always are steering you back to God's word. This is what God says. And we don't want to just merely give good advice or slap a verse on it. We want to, let, let's really see what God is saying. So how do we know if a teaching or a tradition is good? Scripture, right? How do we know that Scripture is good? God. Do you see the difference? Right? My teaching, any tradition, my practice comes under that authority. I get, but then Scripture, where, how do we know it's good? Well, because it's from God. And so, anything that we say up here, you need to test that. Is that really what the, what, what the Bible's saying? Don't just merely accept it. You know, we're imperfect. We don't get everything right. But again, God does. And God's word is not only the authority for what we teach on a Sunday, but it's the authority for every area of our life. And we all have authorities in our life, right? And, and probably, let, let's just be honest, probably the biggest authority in all of our lives is the culture that we live in. Or maybe ourself. <clears throat> you know, our own, thing, our own thoughts, our own feelings. And again, many of those, those thoughts and the feelings that we have come from culture. Well, this is what everybody else thinks. This is what they're saying. This is how I feel. This is what I think. And so that becomes the authority. But should that be our ultimate authority? And so when, when, when pilots are flying up in the sky, they use the horizon as, as this constant thing. And so they, they know, hey, this is the horizon. This is where I need to go. This is how I need to fly the plane in a proper way. But if it gets really dark or if, or if there's lots of clouds and they can't really see the horizon, they have an instrument, and it's called the artificial horizon. And so the, this instrument is set to the actual horizon of the earth. And so even if they think, oh, hey, I think this way is this, and, and I think I should go this way, they don't just rely on their feelings or their thoughts. What does my instrument say? Oh, well, that is my orientation to the horizon. Right? 
that has more authority than what I think we should do. That has more say than where I think we're at. Because that is constant. I'm going to trust my instrument. Right? And in the same way, we, don't, we can't trust our feelings. We can't trust just our thoughts. God has given us this instrument. God has said, hey, you want to know something constant? You want to know something that lasts forever? My word. It's set to me the truth. I mean, look down, if you're there in the scriptures, look down in chapter 4, verse 3. So it says this, again, he says, you know, Paul is telling Timothy, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves two teachers to suit their own passions, and they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And Paul's saying, hey, there's a time that people aren't, aren't going to listen. They're going to follow their own desires. They're going to follow what they're doing. And they're also just going to be listening to the, what the world around them is saying. It's coming. And again, we, we, see, that, we see that today. We see that even in ourselves. And you, usually, we're, again, we're looking to our thoughts. Hey, this is what I feel. This is what I think. Hey, this is what the culture says. Hey, and, and so we, 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 we get a lot of that authority from, from the world around us or from ourselves. Well, hey, this is, this is the world's approach to marriage. This is the world's approach to sexuality. I'm just, I'm just yeah, that, that must be right. That's how I'm going to think. They think it's okay. And we take our feelings, we take the culture, or even just what we want as authority. But here's the problem. Culture changes. There was a time when our culture thought maybe the best, most good-looking haircut you could ever have was a mullet, <laughs> right? And if you see anybody today with the mullet, you're not like, man, that looks good. You're mostly like, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me that people used to actually do that. Or, you know, like, you know, and then again, if you have a mullet, you know, thanks for, th- thanks for showing us that. Um, <laughs> There there was a time in our culture's history where a large portion of our culture, maybe even almost the whole culture, thought that slavery was okay. Right? and, And today we would be like, no, 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 that's wrong. And it's not because that's what society says. It's because the Word of God says. The Word of God says that everyone is made in the image of God. Right? And so we could look to God's word. What should we think? How should we treat people? What is your word saying? Not what, do, what does the culture say. Or even think of yourself. Your, your feelings change. What you want changes. Just like that. And, and so our, our society, our thoughts, our desires, those are bad authorities. They change week to week. I mean, the grass withers. You know, the culture fades. Your desires change. Your feelings change, but the word of God lasts forever. And, and, and society and even yourself don't always know what's best. But God always knows what's best. And society, and yes, even yourself, do not love you the way that God loves you. No one can love you like God. And so God 
and his word are the best authority that we can have. And so, will you accept that? Will you submit yourself to God's word, to what he's told you to do, even when you don't feel like it? Will you say, man, I don't even know if I really think this, but God, I'm going to believe you because that's what you said. But God, all, the world all around me is saying that this thing is okay, but you said, you said no, that, that's not your plan for us. God, I'm going to trust you. God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to obey you because you're the authority. Because if you're not trusting God's word, you're not going to trust God, and then, be, be, then obeying him just becomes optional. Becomes optional what I let my eyes look at. Becomes optional with how I spend my money, how I spend my time. It becomes optional with my sex life. It becomes optional with the relationships that I have. And, and here's the thing is like, we don't just not treat God as the authority because, we want, because it's what we want to do, but we also don't treat God as the authority because we kind of have a, a weird view of authority. Right? We, we think of authority and we think that's just about getting other people to do what you want. You know, overpowering them. And, and so we just kind of usually don't really like authority. But God's authority isn't just about punking you into submission. Hey, if I could just get all those humans to do whatever I want. God's authority is to bring you life. To bring you freedom. He cares for you. He loves you. And so... God uses his authority to say like, hey, I love you, I care about you, this is what is absolutely best for you. Not just so I could get you to do what I want, but so that you can have life. And so his authority is the best that we can have. And so his word is, God is, is trustworthy, so his word is trustworthy. God is our authority, so his word is our authority. And also, this brings us to the last point, God wants to know you, and his word allows us to. God wants to know you, and his word allows us to. Look at verse 15. And again it says, And how from childhood you've been equated with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. God is revealing himself to you, to all of us. He sent his son, Jesus, to die for us. He sent his spirit to be in us, to be teaching us. And he has given us his word so that we can know, know him, to know what he's done, to know what he thinks and what he's done for us. You know, if, if you don't know God, or, or maybe even you do, and you're wondering, like, hey, why doesn't God just kind of show up? Why doesn't God just show up and just say something? Well, he did. Right? I mean, we, we just got through celebrating Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. How, how, how God, Jesus, fully God, fully man, was born and, and came and, and was with us, walked among us. And if you're wondering, well, man, if God would just say something, well, he has. He is speaking to us. He's speaking to you, and he's given us his word. And in verse 15, it's saying, hey, this isn't to just make you wise so that you know stuff or so that you could do stuff. It says that he's making us wise for salvation. 
so that we could be saved from our sin, so that we could be saved to God, to a real relationship with Him. You don't, you don't study and read the Bible to just find some helpful guidelines or to kind of check off some sort of box. Hey, that's what I'm supposed to do. Check. But rather we read it so that we can look at the saving activity of God so that we can know him. And, and this is what Martin Luther, this is a man that was, was kind of helped spur on the Reformation. And he says this. I love it how he says this. <clears throat> we need to study the Bible because it tells me not what I must do, but what Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has done for me. That's why I study it, so I can see what he's done for me. Because God has set his affection and love on us, and we've been bought with a price. You know, if, you, if, if you've just never trusted in Christ, and, you're, and you wonder, hey, if, if there's a God, if, if, if all of this is real, I just want to tell you that he loves you, and he is speaking to you. Revealing himself to you. Making himself known so that you might be saved from your sin. So that you could be saved to God. Be saved from darkness and come to him into the light. This isn't just a, a book of rules. You know, sure, there, yeah, there, there is guidance on how we might live in response to God. But this is about God revealing himself to you. What he's done on your behalf, not because you've earned it, not because of anything that you've done, but that he might rescue you to himself. That we might be saved from sin. And you can know him. You can know him and, and he's speaking to you right now. Saying, I want you to know me. I love you. You're, I've died for you. And you can know me today by just trusting in me that I've paid the price for your sin, that I rose again. It's not because of anything that you've done. Actually, I know everything that you've done against me, and I'm loving you, and I'm pursuing you with my love, and it will never end. Trust in me. Trust in me as your Savior. He's speaking to you. You want to know how important this book is? This is the creator of the universe, the one who just speaks and everything comes into existence. He's speaking to you. You want to hear his voice? Read the Bible out loud. We get to hear from God. And if you've trusted in Christ, how do you approach this book? You know, I struggle with this too. You know, for me, many times I don't read it because I don't think I need to. I don't think I need to hear from God. I don't think I need to be shaped by it. Many times I don't always obey it because I don't think I need to. Because I think that, that sin, just may, may it's not really that big a deal even though that Jesus died for it. I think that for some reason that, that disobeying God is going to be more life-giving and more fulfilling than actually listening to him and obeying him. And so I just don't obey his word. And I don't always seek to know him because I don't think I need to. God, I'm okay 
I'm not really doing anything really that bad. I don't know if I really need more of you, Jesus. I mean, I I think I kind of know you pretty well, God. How much more of you can, can I honestly even get? I just don't need to, God, and so I just don't seek you in your word. He's speaking to us. We need his word. We need it. He is more trustworthy, more authoritative, more life-giving than anything else. And we need to obey it. We need to apply it. We need to seek him in it so we can know him. And this is why Paul says this in verse 14. He says, but as for you, continue. Don't give up. Don't stop. Continue. Keep pressing in. This is the Word of God. Scripture is inspired by Him. It's from Him. Keep going. There's more to see. Because this is God revealing Himself to you. It shapes us. I need this book to shape me. I mean, in verse 16 it says, That it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction. Because I'm not always right. I need to be corrected. I need to be trained in righteousness so that the man of God, so that I can be equipped for every good work. I need to hear his voice. It's going to change me. God is going to shape me and mold me through it. And God is also saying, hey, I'm not just giving you this book so that it can stop with you. I'm equipping you for good works. I'm equipping you to love others. I'm equipping you to do things, to be a blessing in this world. I need it. All of it is profitable for me. And again, I don't, I don't just need it to get something out of it or to get some good advice, but to know him. Do you, I mean, I mean this, is, this is a question I want to ask you, and don't just kind of gloss over it, but think about this. I need to think about this. Do you really want to know him? Do you really want to know the beauty of Jesus? Do you rely on your city group or Sunday mornings to hear what God is saying to you? Now, if I got up here and and I told you about this trip I had to the Grand Canyon, I didn't go to the Grand Canyon, but, um, so if you ever want to take me there, let's do it. (laughs) But if I showed you like, oh man, hey, this is how, you know, the the Grand Canyon, man, it's so grand, it's so big, and there's all these colors, hey, check out this picture I took, my selfie, me in the Grand Canyon. You know, you might get a decent idea of just how amazing it is, but it still wouldn't measure up for you, go into the Grand Canyon yourself. So don't rely on on Sunday mornings or your city group. Get in the Word yourself and say, God, I want to see you. Show me how beautiful you are. Show me how amazing you are because I know that you're speaking to me. Is the Bible such an important part of your life that you have to get to know God more? Is it, is it important to you to hear, really hear what God is saying to you? I mean, I, I love Star Wars. Huge fan. And so I was excited for episode eight, and I saw it and was like, I don't know. But I was really excited for it, and so I, I took my boys. They're really into Star Wars. I'm like, oh, man, they'll love this. And, you know, they'll pay attention to everything. But here's who I didn't take. I didn't take my daughter, Everly. 
because she is really not into it, she will get bored. She will say, I want water. I want popcorn. And I'm not going to send her out. In, you know, she's just barely four. I'm not going to send her out there by herself. And then she'll say, I need to go potty. And I'm going to be like, oh, my gosh. I just want to watch the movie. I want th- this is important to me, Everly. Do you know this? This is important. These made-up, fictional space wizards. I want to hear. I want to hear what they what they're saying. And because this is important to me, I want to hear this clearly. I don't want to be distracted. And if I'm willing to put that much thought and effort to get rid of distractions for some movie, wouldn't I even more so be intentional for the God of the universe that's speaking to me? To hear it. It isn't that important to you to hear what God is saying and just to say, I need to get rid of some distractions just for a little bit to hear God turn off the show, turn off Netflix, and just say, God, please speak to me. I want to know you. Is it that important to you? Do you want to know God? If I wrote my wife, Christy, a love letter, and then I put it in her hands, and then she said, thanks, and then put it on the shelf. Is she just ignoring the letter, or is she ignoring me? If we're ignoring God's word, we're ignoring God. Don't get used to ignoring it. Don't get used to it being just over there or on a shelf. It is not like any other book. Jesus will not seem really beautiful to us if we're not looking at his word. Do you want to know him? To know the one that created you, that died for you, that loves you, that is pursuing you relentlessly with his love and his presence. He's worth knowing. And, you know, if you're, if you're here today, and again, you're, you're not really sure if you believe all this, you're not, you've never trusted Christ, you're not really sure if you believe all this Jesus stuff, I just want to encourage you, check it out. If someone came into, into our mess, into our world, to die for you, not because you earned it, not because you did anything, and just said, I love you, and I'm willing to pay the price for something you did for your sin, and I will suffer and die for you, and then I will raise again, I think that that someone is worth just checking out. And to say, hmm, maybe I should just see who you are. Maybe I should just see what you're really about. And so if you don't know Jesus, I just want to encourage you. My prayer for you is that you would just check it out. My prayer for you is that you wouldn't see it as just some book of rules or some book of stories, but this God that loves you, that is telling you who he is, that has died for you, and that you can have a real relationship with him. And if you, if you know Jesus, if you are, have trusted in him, are you hearing your father speak to you? Are you hearing the word of God? Or are you treating it just like anything else? Do you want to know him or have you grown complacent in it being a very seldom thing that you hear his voice? My prayer for you is that you wouldn't grow complacent. My prayer for you is that you would want more and more and more of Jesus. More intimacy, more of knowing who he is. 
more of just hearing, God, you love me and this is who you are and what you've done for me. Dive into his word. Show me more of who you are. And, and, and today we get to celebrate communion. And that God has showed us himself in Jesus Christ. And that his body was broken for us, his blood was shed for us, was spilled for us, not because we deserved it, not because of anything that we did, but because of his love and his grace. That we might be saved from our sin and saved to a relationship with Christ. And so we get to take this together. We get to just kind of come up here, take this bread and dip it in the juice as just a reminder that God is speaking to us, that he's shown us himself in Jesus Christ. Because he saved us, because he's loved us. And so let me just pray and then we get to celebrate communion together.